All right. We're live, and I have Adam Mullins, the founder and CEO of Brixelated, which is uh, based in Ohio, I guess, some kind of Cincinnati area-ish. Is that about right? Yeah, we we claim Southwest Ohio. Any general gotcha. day, we're in somewhere between Columbus, uh, Dayton, and, and Cincinnati. So that's uh, that's our, our home. And that's right close to my home, home turf, home stomping grounds, and he's got some connections to Springfield, Ohio, where I'm from. So uh, before I get too far ahead of myself here, Adam, I just first and foremost, I want to thank you for being here. Yeah, appreciate the opportunity to come on talk shop a little bit, for sure. Absolutely. Um, all right, so Adam and I were just talking about this is a little bit different episode, and normally the podcast to this point uh, has been with customers, and the focus has been to you know, put the spotlight on our customers, um, make sure that we're continuing to build relationship, which at the end of the day is really you know, Goodson's primary objective is to build relationships with our customers, our vendors, um, and, um, and this has been a platform to do that, to continue to build further relationships with our customers, give them a platform to talk about their company, get the spotlight off of us and onto them, and really just learn about, you know, the things that we've done and what we can do better. In this case, um, Brixelated would be more of a, a partner, not really a customer and not even really a vendor. So, you know, most of what our days look like are dealing with customers, dealing with vendor partners. We call them partners. Um, and, uh, so I came to know about Brixelated because a very good friend of mine who I actually just did a podcast with, Rob Rue, who is the owner of Littleton and Rue Funeral Home, um, very close friend of mine. And I've done a lot of things with him over the years. And he was telling me about this really cool project that he was working on. Um, and he showed me a picture. Uh, he's in the funeral home business. He's got a beautiful building, a beautiful campus in Springfield, Ohio. He showed me a uh, like a rendering or a GIF or something of his funeral home building, which I'm very familiar with, uh, made out of Legos. And when I saw it, I was like, how in, how in the heck did you get that done? Who did you work with? And I need to meet this company. And, um, and, and so he said, yep, no problem. Um, his name's Adam Mullins. His company is Brixelated. And, and, and here's the information. And I, I think at that point, I went out to your website, filled out a contact form, because I don't think he gave me your information. And then uh, I basically just said, Hey man, I think what you're doing is really cool. And, you know, let's, let's connect and, and get to know each other a little bit better. Yeah. The Rob Rue project has really been a catalyst for a number of, um, you know, conversations, relationships, and partnerships, uh, you know, taking a step back, you know, Brixelated, one of the things that we really pride ourselves on is, is changing, uh, the way that the world plays with Lego, right? So, you know, it's our goal to create a new Lego experience, um, a Lego experience and, and products that are personal, uh, that are experiential, uh, right. That bring people together and they're also impactful. So we, you know, anything that we, uh, we design and we create at the bottom line at the end of the day, you know, it needs to make people smile and that's, uh, it's a good spot to be in. I actually was at Easton mall with my family last week. My mom lives in Columbus still. So we went up her birthday was Saturday, went up, spent the day with her and there's a couple different Lego stores at the Easton mall. And we were there and, um, so fascinated by the things that they're able to, to build out of Legos, both, you know, them as a company and then obviously the things you're doing. But so let's roll back just a little bit, just to give people context. Um, I mentioned that there's, you have a connection to Springfield and, and you can expand on that wherever you'd like, but tell me, just tell people a little bit about yourself, you know, personally, where you grew up, school, family, things like that. Yeah. So I grew up in Dayton, Ohio, a north suburb uh, called Vandalia Butler, graduated from Vandalia uh, at the end of the century. Um, <laughs> went to actually started college uh, first year and a half over in Springfield, Ohio at Wittenberg. Right. So wow. uh, went there for a year and a half. And then I transferred to Dayton uh, where I got my uh, my undergraduate degree and 
know, Dayton for me has always felt like home. Um, I, long story short, I, you know, ventured into graduate school, had a career in data and data analytics and, you know, kind of found my way of uh, transforming a hobby into a hustle into now a, a full-time business uh, within this Lego ecosystem. Um, really lucky man. Uh, I've got a, a strong family around me, a wife, two kids, a sister, two nephews. Um, again, call Southwest Ohio home. Uh, right now I'm sitting at the hub uh, in Dayton, at the new innovation hub downtown at the arcade. Uh, more often than not, I'm either here in Dayton or in Cincinnati or up in Columbus. So again, that little triangle beating the path from 70, 71, 75, yeah. you know, that's, that's kind of my haunts. You know, what's funny is uh, I didn't realize you went to Vandalia Butler, but my cousin, Jordan Shoemaker, is actually the athletic director at Vandalia Butler right now. Really? Uh, yeah. I don't know if you end up doing anything for the high school or if they'd be in the market for a project, but I could certainly connect you. Uh, we're So that's actually an interesting area that we're going into because when we started doing some of our custom personal builds, we started with local collegiate mascots, right? So UD, Cincinnati, Xavier, Ohio State. And uh, over the last three or four months, we've, uh, we've started having conversations at the high school level to do the exact same thing of how can we create a neat product and experience for high schools uh, or local school districts uh, to showcase either their skills, you know, the, the students, the faculty, the school itself. And uh, we've done some interesting projects with, uh, with Centerville High School as well. So um, happy to have any, inter- any introduction yeah. you have, particularly to uh, the old al- alma mater. They're always looking for ways to raise money. I mean, one, one of my previous, you know, something I did in a previous life before Goodson was I had a company that I was a partner in called Bobblehead Heroes, and we imported bobblehead dolls. I don't even know if I mentioned that to you, but, and we, you know, there were a lot of people doing it for the professional sports teams at the time associated premium is one that was really popular in Cincinnati that had done a huge number of just professional athletes. There was a lot of college stuff. We started bobblehead heroes and we're going after high schools as a fundraising item. And, um, and then ultimately started doing some other things that were kind of cool that we called the early years where we were, for example, um, Prince Fielder, uh, was Cecil Fielder's son. Yeah. He, he went to O'Galley high school in Florida. And so we were doing this thing called the early years where we were taking a step back, even from college and doing bobblehead dolls of, you know, him in his O'Galley high school uniform and, um, did a few of those projects. And then the company kind of things just changed. We moved on. But yeah, anyway, point being the high school market is, is interesting because they're always looking for ways to make money with cool stuff. So tell me, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I think that's the recipe that that's really hot right now that, you know, companies, organizations, schools are looking for ways to, you know, showcase who they are, what they do well, but they want to do it in a way that uh, really breaks through the noise of all the other products and experiences that are sitting out there. So the, where we're, uh, where we kind of view Brixelated sitting in that opportunity, sitting in that space is, you know, how can we make that impact and, and create a cool experience and share knowledge, but using a material that has such a high affinity uh, like Lego, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you, that's the one thing I was at that store over the weekend and I'm just looking around and I'm going, I just, I don't know enough of the history of actually of Lego, the company and like how it started. And, but I'm looking and I'm going, I mean, how do you even concept something like this? And that's a whole, probably a whole other podcast, whole other conversation to talk about that, but it's just plastic, you know, and they just are molding plastic and building things out of it. And it just blows my mind. And they are so huge. I mean, um, I think they kind of had a rough patch here within the last 20 years or something, but man, today they feel like they, to me, like they are just stronger than ever. Well, 
uh, they are a private company, and I think you're exactly right. That you know, about 20 years ago, right before they got the Star Wars uh, license, they were they were trying to figure out who they are and where they were going. Um, fast forward to today, you know, they put their they put their financial information out in um, in some of their uh, some of their reporting, and they have a license to print money. I think year uh, quarter over quarter right now they're easily um, plus 20% growth top line plus 20% growth bottom line. Um, that's in addition to dedicating 25% of their profits to the Lego Foundation, which uh, uses the brick to make a make strong social impacts across the country. So, you know, that's actually one of the reasons why we are drawn to the Lego Lego brand is because um, we really use them as a north star. You know, they're they're an organization that we can kind of see ourselves working and striving to 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 model and to be similar to. So we hold ourselves to those same values. And on a long flight path, we really hope that uh, we do a, a good enough job in the, the products and experiences that we're putting out that hopefully a partnership will uh, show itself. And, um, and you know, hopefully we, we yeah. can be part of that Lego family. Too where, as well. where are they headquartered? And Denmark and Bill and Bill and Denmark. Yeah. So tell me, um, give me just a quick, I know you and I talked about this before. And it's really kind of fascinating. You mentioned, you know, some of your time in London and kind of <clears throat> just tell me about the company, how it got started, you know, where you got the idea, a little bit of the history there. Yeah. How long so, it's been around? Yeah. Good, good question. So I've always been a Lego guy. Um, growing up, that was, that was my jam as a kid. Uh, there, there's a very, um, known effect that's called the dark ages for when kids are growing up and, you know, they kind of put away the toys around 13, 14, and then they find the brand after this dark period. So I found the brand when I turned about 30, when uh, my now wife gave me a uh, Millennium Falcon Lego set um, to build, you know, as an adult. And I got, I kind of got the big one into it. Uh, no, not the big one at that time. Uh-oh. It was uh, one of the smaller ones. Um, but I found the building as an adult, not just enjoyable, but relaxing and therapeutic. And so uh, fast forward uh, about a year and I, my wife and I are living in London uh, and I was, you know, living the jet setter life uh, being a, as a business consultant. I was living out of suitcase, traveling a lot. And, you know, when I came home, I, I had a hard time decompressing. And I found that building for me was something that you know, really took that energy and, and, and put that uh, focus into one specific thing and, and it helped me. And that was one thing that I started and kind of filed away and um, really wanted, you know, it, you know, had a big impact of where the business has evolved to over the last couple of years. So that was in 2012. And I started building mosaics. I started creating little custom pieces of artwork for me uh, and for my wife. And um, they became and just real quick to, for people who maybe don't know, like, a, like, cause I remember when you said that to me, I was trying to envision a mosaic would be for all intents and purposes, not a three dimensional. It's really just a flat representation of a photo or anything that's made out of pieces put on like one of those basically sheets of, you know, a, a, a big Lego sheet, right? Yeah, that's exactly it. So imagine like uh, the Mona Lisa is a flat painting, right? But we could create the Mona Lisa, but using a, you know, the her, that image in pixelated bricks. And that's really what we specialize for the first portion of the business. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. And you said, I think I remember you telling me, I didn't mean to derail your, your, your history retelling there, but like you said that you were doing that just as a hobby, right? And yeah. Um, so my wife and I, again, we're living in London, uh, doing it as a hobby. Uh, we were only supposed to be there for a year and she, she wants, she's kind of recommended that we, it, a piece of art, right? To remember our time in this one year of adventure in London. I kind of looked at her and I was like, I, I 
think I know how much artwork, original artwork <laughs> and is going to cost. And I was like, well, I was like, how about I build something for us? I was like, that'll be equally you know, memorable and probably a, a fraction of the budget. So I ended up building a couple mosaics um, and taking them down the high street and having them framed at one of the local art galleries. And you know, on my on the third piece that I brought down there, by this time I'm the American Lego guy, right? I'm this just guy who's coming down and walking Lego into this art gallery. And the gallery owner pulls me aside and says, Hey, you know, are you ever interested in selling something like this? And up to that point, I, you know, again, it was just my personal hobby, stress reliever. I uh, just enjoyed learning about it. And I was like, look, Ben, I was like, I don't think anybody wants my Lego nerd stuff. I, I'm not an artist. I'm a data geek. Um, he goes, no, I think there might be, I might, there might be an appetite for it. He goes, I tell you what, we'll frame it. We'll put it up in the gallery window. We'll see what kind of interest we get over the weekend. It's, this is on a Friday. And I kind of leaned into him. I was like, look, I'll, I'll be back to pick this thing up on Monday. I'll like, see you in a bit. Uh, it gives me a call. It gives me a call on uh, Saturday morning, 11 o'clock. It's like, hey, I've already sold the one in the window and I've already sold another one. How quickly can you make 10? And all of a sudden we went, uh, we sold through an edition of that art piece, uh, 20 units. Um, that's where we, you know, kind of the aha light bulb moment went off and going, oh, there's, there's, to buy it. There, there might be something here from an economic standpoint. Paid off my student loans, flew my mom and my sister over for a week vacation in Greece. Um, and we were off to the races. We started doing art shows, comic cons, commissions. Um, and that's really where that, that first little data point of going, okay, there, there might be something here that people really enjoy that's different. Um, and, and we just went after it. Yeah. And so I'm curious, I have to ask this, like, if, what what was the piece that you were selling? What was it a representation of? And like, do you get into licensing or like any kind of issues there re- reproducing something like that? So the the piece that we did was um, a variant of a, of a National Geographic uh, magazine cover. There's this really iconic photo of an Afghani girl um, who has really piercing green eyes. And so if you're a like me, a child of the 80s, uh, you kind of know of and, and have, have seen this photo before. And a lot of our mosaics that we do is it starts with great photography. And that's really the, um, that's really the, the ability of the mosaic to transform a, a picture into this Lego image is, is what makes it pop. Um, to answer your question around licensing and copywriting, you know, absolutely. We, we uh, reached out to a copyright and patent attorney and just to make sure that we were um, kind of doing things by the books um, basically when you start my, my understanding of this, uh, again, my very lay, layman understanding is as soon as you transform a work of art into something similar using another medium or mechanism, like going from a photo to a Lego rendition of it, you're kind of covered by artistic interpretation. Now I'm also the type of person where if anybody were to come back and, and say, Hey, I have a problem with this, that usually opens up conversations of partnerships and ways of working with those organizations to try to put a good product out, a good experience out, but also do it by not standing on the shoulders of other people. Sure. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. So tell me how maybe a compressed version of like, you know, how do we get to where you are today? So you, you're doing the mosaics. It's kind of the, the impetus for starting the company. And then, you know, today, and maybe you could just tell me a little bit about the path and then what you guys are doing today. Yeah. So fast forward from 2012 to 2020, uh, the business is growing. We've kind of figured out that, you know, not only do people enjoy our Lego products, but they like to be part of the experience. So we created new ways of building. We created new products so that people can, again, create things and have things that are personal to them. We, we love that our builds feel like home for a lot of people. 
Um, and on top of that, going into 2020, we had a um, we had a full complement of, of uh, Lego experiences and products that we were re- ready to roll out, and COVID happened. Right. So when COVID happened, it really forced us to dial back our mosaics because couldn't bring people together and nobody wanted to touch anything. Right. Those two necessary yeah. ingredients for yeah. a group build. And so we started thinking about, you know, diversifying our the bricks-related portfolio. Um, I'm a big from a business perspective, I'm a big believer in having a number of different products, uh, both you know, in the innovation queue that are live, but also you, know, you have to consistently evolve what you're doing, particularly in the space that we play in, because um, people understand and, and recognize quickly when things get stale, right? So fast forward that into 2021, um, we started moving forward with some of our custom Lego kits, really focusing on that collegiate experience like I talked about before. And then we found out that uh, we we kind of could settle into this additional niche of the luxury gifting space. So um, one of the, the the real, there's two big benefits to our, our Lego products is one, it's a really cool, neat thing that you can't find anywhere else. Right. So the, the idea of limited edition and exclusivity is, is a strength of ours. And then two, uh, because we package the kit in a custom box and with a, an instruction manual, it allows the customer to really tell the story of the place or the space or the person that you're building while you're building it. So it's not just this static build where, okay, I'm going to build the Dayton skyline. It's like, no, you're going to build the Dayton skyline and you're going to learn about the history, the heritage and the social impact of that, of that location as you're building. So it really gives this, uh, gives our customers and our consumers the ability to immerse themselves into this build, into this experience. And, it, and that's really the differentiator for us right now where organizations are looking for ways to showcase who they are in a new creative way. And that's, um, that's kind of uh, been a very fruitful for us from an organization so far. That's been, so that's kind of where we kind of dovetailed together. That's, that's the overlap. So, you know, again, most people listening to this will have some familiarity with us, but you know, Goodson, it, it, what we do is we, we're strictly business to business company. We, we partner with companies to uh, build their brand. What, you know, we, there's, you know, there's really nice, tidy marketing language that we use. But at the end of the day, it's like we look for companies that care a lot about their brand. They want to do high quality, cool stuff with their brand to create loyal employees, um, engage customers. And that's the audiences that, you know, 99% of the time that we're working with is, you know, customers and employees. And so when when I became aware of you, I mean, obviously, Rob is a customer of mine. And this is a really cool thing. And so you did this, you did a large set for his building, but then you also did some smaller sets. And then, so one of the things, and you just mentioned it, one of the things I think is very cool. And I did, you, you sent me a couple of small sets that I, that I purchased from you and I built them with my daughters and, um, and it was cool to build it. And then, you know, a couple of things I noticed was like all the, the Lego instructions that we're all familiar with and kind of that look, you know, Lego instructions have a very particular look. Well, you guys have, uh, you have that same look, but then you're you're weaving in as you're building these, whether it be pages or even little bubbles um, that are contextualizing what you're building, the brand, the history. And um, so that is where there was the crossover. And so part of the reason I said this is kind of a different episode for me is that, you know, I because of the complexity of what you do, it doesn't make sense. Not nine times out of 10 or really most of the time we're buying and reselling from a company like you where I'm getting effectively a wholesale price. And then I'm going to my market and I'm putting a margin on top of that. But that doesn't make sense in this case, because I don't understand. 
I don't know what happens in the kitchen, you know, as far as getting this stuff done. And so what we (laughs) talked about and what we're pursuing is trying to, I mean, I, I find what you're doing so unique, so cool. That doesn't make me, that doesn't make me unique. I think a lot of people do based on some of the things I see you, you know, happening for you up in Ohio and beyond. But for me, it was like this very much dovetails with the Goodson brand, which is that we want people to think of us as constantly looking for something that is different different ways, different mediums, different opportunities for them to build their brand with their customers and their employees. And that definitely checks the boxes and Brixelated does. And so what we've been talking through is like, hey, how can we kind of work together? Where can we get you in front of our customers? And then more of as a partnership. And then if some of our customers are interested, we'll just simply, it's almost more like a manufacturer's rep model that we're pursuing, Mm -hmm. uh, if you will, to where we're just then going to make an introduction to our customers and say, hey, Adam, you take it from here. Um, because we would really just gum up the process. At the end of the day, you know, we, we, we love to make money with the things that we're doing, and I'm sure we'll make a little bit of money off projects that come from this. It's more about making sure that we're kind of building our brand through the partnership and making sure our customers know that we've got their back, that we have their best interests in mind. And when we find something we think will benefit them, that we're going to figure out any and every way to make that available to them. Yeah, and I, I think that's, you know, we did a little bit of research in this luxury gifting space before we really jumped uh, jumped in with our goggles on. And and the, the consistent feedback we heard from everybody was that, you know, the, the, the era of the branded Yeti or the era of the branded swag, right, was really kind of starting to, to pull back. People wanted that custom story or they wanted that experience. They wanted that unique something right that really reflected who they were as an organization as a business and that's that's kind of what our our, some of our custom products and experiences provide uh, out to the customer base Um, in terms of partnerships and advocates and working with Goodson you know that's that's really who we feel that we are as an organization where we are really actively trying to do a lot of b2b partnership affiliations and, and, and relationships because we are a relationship business right we're a small organization um, it's mo- it's you know it's it's something where we are constantly looking to partner with the right organizations that both reflect who we are and who we're trying to be as a social enterprise and the impacts that we're trying to make, as well as ha- have have uh, the dedication to the high quality, the premium, and the exclusive look and feel of of what sort of impact we are trying to provide for our customers. You know, I, I'm constantly um, chattering with my creative director. You know, and he, he, the feedback he's giving me is like, "Hey, why aren't we putting Brixelated on on everything, on shirts, on uh, on our products, and and all on our experiences?" And like, when we're doing B two B stuff, you know, at the end of the day. I feel like we've done our job and we create a product for our customer who can then go and give it to whomever that they want to give it to and and really have them look great and them make the impact. And for us, you know, that's really what success is within this gifting space is can I help you put a smile on somebody else's face? And if we've done that, then then we've we've really created a, a great experience and a memorable experience that. It should, you know, from a business perspective, yeah. should, shouldn't only happen one time, right? For us, we have a lot, our business model is an annualization type of model where if you work with us once, the likelihood of you continuing to work with us for a number of products is, is almost 100%. Yeah. I, and I think I would just qualify what you're saying in our space. Cause that's our primary space is the, is the swag. I mean, you use the word swag, we'll, we'll, we'll use that. But I think what we're seeing is people are trend, definitely trending toward, buying fewer items that are higher quality. And it's still, 
at times will involve some of the more traditional, you mentioned Yeti, um, things like that. It's always going to involve that type of stuff on some level. But I definitely think that people are looking for unique. They're looking for experiences. Um, and so one of the things that um, I really loved is, and I, I mean, are you, it's okay if I mention one of the, I mean, the date, like that Dayton skyline thing. It's okay if we kind of talk about that, right? Yeah. Um, so what I loved about that and see, this is where, if I'm listening to this, I'm like, okay, I get it. You guys are building custom things with Legos and you're partnered with them. Goodson. And you know, you're making them available to customers. But for me, it all crystallized in when I was kind of looking at that project. So, and, and really you can tell me about it, but the, the overview that I'm getting from it is that you partnered with the Dayton development coalition. You guys created a skyline for Dayton. And they incorporated it into their process for re- basically recruiting companies to the area. And so you're giving this this Lego set, but the instructions then told did some of the the heavy lifting, if you will, for their for the, for the DDC about selling the Dayton area. So then you can kind of take it from there and, and kind of put some meat on the bones there. Yeah. So the Dayton Skyline set that we put out in May of 2020, right, right in the meat of COVID, right um, when when all when all of our events got canceled, we really asked ourselves, what do we want to do? Who do we want to help? And who do we want to showcase? And being from the greater Dayton area, it was pretty, it was pretty much a no brainer uh, of what we wanted to showcase, which was the city itself. So that was something that we designed um, originally as a fundraiser for the university of Dayton and the Institute for applied creativity of transformation, which is one of the biggest advocates that we have, um, again, one, being an alumni and two, being a community partner for the school. And a lot of um, our uh, colleagues and peers were struggling, like many other people were during COVID, right? Either through layoffs or furloughs and, and the university needed some help. And we thought, hey, we can create a really neat product that can help the community and find neat ways to, to support retailers at the time. Now, as, a, as an outcome of that, um, some of our partners at the DDC saw that and were like, hey, this would be a great economic development tool to provide a taste or a teaser for the energy, the creativity, the innovation that's happening in Dayton, you know, that is different than something that you're going to receive from another city, right? So when you think about, you know, breaking through the noise or or whatever those other marketing terms are, right, of of really punching through everything that's going on, that's something that, that our products do and they do well and they do consistently. Yeah, they definitely and get be, attention. <laughs> yep, that's that's it. So what's neat is as we were developing that set, we went around to, to all the, the landmarks and got some good sound bites from the key constituents of those organizations. So to give you an example, uh, the Dayton Art Institute is one of the buildings in the skyline. And the, the CEO and the director, uh, Michael Rodiger, wrote this really impassioned commentary about the importance of the arts to the community and the area and really encouraging the city of Dayton during these th- difficult times. So again, as you're, as you're building this, as you're building this set and connecting with it and, and, and re- realizing how important it is to both you and the area to have those constituents, those, those individuals who are contributing to it as well, you feel like you're part of it. So, you know, again, for us, uh, Lego's personal, right? If you're building it and you're connecting with it and you're feeling like, Hey, this reckon this, this reflects me and where I'm from. Like that's something that we feel like Lego can only do to an extent, right? Being the big branded organization that they are, they're never going to get down to the individual level. And that's where we, as you know, from a product creation space, feel like we can sit, we can play, and we can really help tell those personal stories to connect to the communities 
again, at the local level, at the regional level, and hopefully at a long enough glide path at a national level. Yeah, it, the way that it, I guess the way that I think about it, and I think you've read the book, Start With Why, a lot of people have by Simon Sinek. And, you know, he talks about at a base level, people do business with people of like mind, essentially. And so we talk a lot at Goodson about, you know, our objective when we market Goodson is to communicate the personality of our company. That's that's it's as simple as that. I mean, we want people to know who we are collectively, what makes us tick, what do we care about so that people can line that up with who they are and what they care about. And what I love about what this creates, I think, is it just it it, it creates a great opportunity for, you know, to further our customers um, objective. Like like, for example, you're talking to one of our customers right now that does a lot of recruiting the recruiting space is very competitive. It's always hard to get attention in that space. You know, you got tables and you're recruiting young, talented people, but there's a lot of people that are. And, you know, this I think is going to be a great fit for them because it's something that probably no one else there will have. Um, But even beyond that, I know what I know of this client is that they're going to be good at using it to tell a story too about why, you know, what's unique about their company. And, um, you know, so so I guess that the obviously you're doing mascots, you do buildings, you really do anything. And in this case, it was a skyline for for the Dayton Development Coalition. It's uh, I know, as I mentioned, you've done some mascots for colleges you're working on. You know, you did the funeral home for Rob. You've done stadiums. I've made some contacts down here that would be kind of building centric. Um, But really, it could be I mean, my understanding is it could kind of be anything. And uh, and then the opportunity to, to give it out and tell the story, whether it's to like targets, you know, prospects, customers, employees, and things like that. Talk to me a little bit about just, you know, it's a very complex and obviously unique thing. Maybe just for people listening so that they understand like, okay, sounds really cool. What's the process look like? And maybe just give some nuts and bolts on like, you know, just some high level points about what the process typically looks like and what the timelines might be. And then I'd like to also just get to, and I'm not, I know that it varies by project, but maybe even just some ballpark quantities and price ranges. I mean, we can be generic, but give people some idea of like, hey, if they really like this, what's it going to look like to get involved in it? Yeah. So I'll work, I'll work backward here. You know, when we're working with a potential client, you know, I like to start with uh, what's, what's the problem that we're solving? You know, is it a recruitment problem? Is it a employee appreciation uh, problem? Is it, uh, is it simply, hey, we, we're, we're celebrating, right? We're working on a project right now uh, with a big uh, organization in Dayton where they're building a new building and they're, they're, you know, they, they really want to celebrate the growth of their organization. We're helping to capture that story and that uh, for their own employees uh, as well. So I'd like to start with that creative solution of what the client is trying to achieve with their objective, right? We always want to make that impact and prioritize that impact. After we have that uh, well understood, then we typically work backwards to quantities and kind of a budget price point. Because the, the interesting thing that we can do is we can design a solution for just about any sort of budget or price point, right? So the, the, the budget really sets the size of the, of the Lego product, right? And then uh, the quantities are the other thing that really impact the overall scale of the engagement. So one of the challenges that we have, you know, not having a partnership, a direct partnership with Lego is, you know, Lego's about 75% of our product costs, right? So uh, knowing that um, really impacts the ability for us to be, competitive uh, at, a, at a really strong price point. But when you're thinking about quantities, you know, it really just depends on the project, right? So we have some clients who come in and say, hey, I, I would like to buy 50 of this building, you know, to give as a thank you 
for this uh, account that we just won. Um, we've had clients come in and say, hey, I need 500 units of this and I, you know, it's going to be at a $75 price point per unit. So it really just depends, you know, our products are, are, are wildly variable. Um, you know, I feel any at any given day, we're more of a services company and solutions company versus a manufacturing company, right? Because all of our products and experiences, we tailor to our client. And that's really one thing that our clients love and our customers love is, you know, we're able to be creative about uh, the objective, the solution, and often work within the uh, the price points that they're asking for. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I think, and again, that dovetails with us. It's like people will come to us and, and ask us, you know, hey, I need... I need ideas for a particular application. And it's, you know, it's at the end of the day, if you're just looking for products, it can be pretty boring, pretty benign. But if you get clarity on, for example, I just sent you an email. That was one thing I was doing while you were talking is because it jogged my memory about a client of mine that's celebrating a 60th anniversary. And they were kind of reaching out to us for gifts on how to do it. And so I sent you their logo. It's it's interesting. So you can kind of look at it, but I think it would be kind of cool to discuss you know, what it might look like to do a Lego, a small Lego set with that logo as a, as a way to, you know, and I think it ties in again, they've, you know, been quote building the company for 60 years and and I know how much they care about their people. So that's just another example where you start with the end in mind. It's like, we're celebrating 60 years. What's a unique way that we could do that? What's something we could give to people that would be memorable and also tie in with what, what we value. Yeah. And, and I think what's neat with us, with our product portfolio is sometimes that can be a small custom kit. Sometimes that can be a build experience to create a mosaic. So we actually were at the Dayton Oktoberfest two weekends ago, helping to celebrate the 50th anniversary of uh, Dayton's Oktoberfest. And the individuals and the attendees that came in, everybody built a small square. And over the the three-day weekend, the image of the the 50th anniversary logo came to life uh, as a mosaic. So some organizations like that sort of solution where, hey, I don't think we can necessarily afford to give everybody something to take away, Mm -hmm. but what we can do is bring everybody together so, and they can contribute to this something, this Lego mosaic or this sculpture or this piece of art that then all of a sudden, you know, it's, it's social, right? It's collaborative. It's absolutely unifying and it's a great story. Yeah. Tell me, and just a practical question on that for the experience type approach, uh, do you have a geographic limitation to that right now? Or if people are willing to cover like, you know, travel costs and stuff, you can kind of do it anywhere. Or how do you generally approach that? Yeah. Uh, the, the answer to that is, you know, we are not geographically limited, you know, yeah. based off of what the client's objectives are for 2022. We have uh, projects right now that are coming together in Iowa. Um, we we're supporting a potential sports conference that the location is TBD right now. But, you know, basically our, our model is, you know, we can create this situation, we can create the solution and then bring it on site so that it's, it's created uh, with your, like you said, with your constituents, whether those are employees, customers, or potential customers. Yeah, no, that's, that's good. I, I think, um, I think that's just, I never really thought about the experience thing. So I didn't really know that, you know, that, that was an option. Um, tell me a little bit, I, you know, we always ask about industry. Yours is kind of interesting. What, you know, what industry do you, is there an industry? Do you consider yourselves part of an industry? <laughs> you know, I'm just curious how you might comment on on that, yeah. you know, that's a, that's something business people love to ask about, man. And it's 
it's and it's something that my answer changes every day. Um, I I think the easiest way to describe it is I operate within the Lego ecosystem, right? So I'm I'm tangentially related to Lego. Lego's our main product, but from an industry perspective, we do custom gifts uh, and, and experiences. So I, I operate in the luxury gifting space. We operate in the market, the experiential marketing space. Yeah. Um, we've created a Lego class and Lego curriculum that. You know, kind of sits in the education space. Uh, we're currently testing that curriculum at a number of treatment centers um, to help individuals who are struggling with soap, uh, substance use and opioid disorders. Uh, so even the healthcare space, we're trying to uh, plan as well. So we, like I said, we're kind of all over the place, yeah. um, but it really depends on who our clients are. And, and we just think that Lego is, you know, if we can make Lego personal, experiential and impactful, you know, the verticals and the industries that we can operate within are, are kind of virtually endless. So my last couple of questions, one, one would be, um, and we may have talked about this a little bit, just generally lead time. I know it's very project dependent, but if somebody gets started, I mean, is it a usually six to eight week time frame, something like that? Or is it, you know? Yeah, we, most of our projects are probably for a set. I guess I should qualify and say that like more of like a set build. Yeah, most of our projects, and it also depends on on size and scale, right? We have a couple sure. of sculptures that I'm trying to find some partners and organizations uh, who might want to fund it. That could be it would be a year long project, right? Um, but for the average uh, engagement, we typically say six to eight weeks. Uh, we usually ask individuals to kind of lock um, and secure a, a spot in our build queue. Right? We have a lot of projects going on simultaneously, and and whether or not we can squeeze it in kind of depends on uh, what we have going on at that time. Um, we're we're growing right now, so we're we're actively kind of hiring and expanding to t- be able to take on uh, more of those types of projects and engagements. Uh, but on average, yeah, the answer to that is, is six to eight weeks. We all got it. And then I always I always say, by the way, that I really appreciate longer than that lead times. We have some projects coming <laughs> in for the summer and fall already of 2022. And, and that really helps us kind of, again, nurture uh, that client relationship over that glide path. So we're the, at the end of the day. And I think I, we open with this. The, the quality of the experience uh, is, is key for us. And we think that you know, if we can deliver against that at a price point that our customers are comfortable with it and give that quality experience, you know, that's a relationship and engagement that uh, should be able to grow and develop over time. One other question is, you know, I know that supply chain issues and, and stock and stuff has been a, it's a massive challenge in our industry. But I think across the board, I mean, good luck buying a dishwasher or refrigerator or really anything right now. Are you guys experiencing that or are you guys is, is Lego pretty immune to that for the most part? Probably uh, poor choice of words and saying immune, but yeah, um, the answer that's no, right? Lego actually during COVID had at least one of their production plants down. Um, so if you were to buy a Lego set uh, from Walmart or Target, the odds are that it either had uh, Spanish or French writing on it because they were having to import some sets from other regions. So getting Lego itself is always a challenge. Uh, lead times on shipping have almost doubled or tripled. Um, we've seen because we. We produce our products um, with printed instruction manuals and on corrugated boxes. We've seen our prices go up there about 15%. Lead times are increasing about 25% on those products. So uh, I think, I, I, you know, like like most individuals who are manufacturing something, you know, we're, we're not uh, definitely not immune uh, to uh, some of those impacts that have been, one, created by COVID and exacerbated by a number of the situations that have occurred since then. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's um, definitely. I don't think anybody's not. I was I was joking. I'm you know, I live in bourbon country and 
you know, if you walk into a liquor store down here and you ask for a bottle of Pappy Van Winkle or Weller or something, people look at you like you have, you know, horns growing out of your head. And I said, I never thought that, you know, calling some place and asking for a dishwasher might get the same, you know, the same response. So, mm-hmm. um, well, look, man, I, you know, I appreciate your time. We're at about 40 minutes and, and I try to keep it right about that or a few minutes more. And, um, I think that the way I just want to wrap it up is, is just kind of putting a bow on it for the people that would be listening is that, you know, um, first of all, they can learn more about you. And I know you're working on a lot of things internally, even with branding and a potentially a new website, but I think the website will remain brixelated. And one thing that you pointed out to me is that people tend, I, I think I even tended to misspell it. So it's B-R-I-X-I-L-A-T-E-D, brixelated.com. And you, you know, you can get some information there. And it sounds like there's going to be some new stuff coming soon. And our goal is people listening to this. Um, if this sounds like something that you want to pursue as a way to accomplish whatever objective it might be uh, related to customers, employees or prospects or any other audiences that you're trying to reach and impact and get attention with, uh, reach out to me or you can reach out directly to Adam um, and and get a project going. I mean, I know that they have kind of a, an initial discovery call process, as we kind of alluded to a second ago. And um, I think what you're doing is really cool. I know that we didn't necessarily even touch base on, you know, all the different things that you've got in mind uh, for the future. Um, but I love I love the fact that our customers are going to be aware of it and try to be able to think of ways to use it. Yeah, and I really appreciate you kind of running point on that, too, of opening up both uh, additional customer bases, but also regions that we're not necessarily currently playing in. Right. So that's the that's the the low hanging fruit from a partnership perspective and something that I'm really excited to see grow and develop uh, over the next couple of years. Yeah, man. So, again, brickselated.com. Uh, I know they're primarily in Ohio. They're doing work all over the country. We're kind of trying to help them in the Louisville area, but we've got some customers in different parts of the country too. Um, Adam Mullins, uh, appreciate you being here and love to continue to watch to see what you guys are doing in the future. I appreciate you having me, Landon. Appreciate it.